It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, welcome to our latest podcast. I'm Chloe and it is awesome to have you all out there listening. I really do appreciate knowing how many people these podcasts help. In today's episode, we're getting into the world of SEO and digital marketing in general with uh, with a chap I've known for many years now who knows a huge amount about this industry. So some really sensible pragmatic advice coming your way. Now, without the sponsors, the podcast wouldn't be possible. So please do check them out. This episode is brought to you by SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler than with SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. With SendPro Online, it's just click, send and save for as low as $4.99. That's $4.99 a month. Try it free for 30 days and get a free £10 scale when you visit pb.com forward slash masterplan. That's pb.com slash masterplan. Cash flow slowing your growth? Exchange rate fees driving you mad? You need seller's funding. We've helped hundreds of retailers solve these problems with our easy way to access working capital and local currency collection accounts. With the number one direct lending platform of 2018 in the US, we also serve the UK and other markets coming soon. We provide funding from as little as $5,000 to as much as half a million dollars. And our customers have given us a five-star score on Trustpilot. Let us help you navigate through these challenges with greater clarity and flexibility. Visit us at www.sellersfunding.com forward slash e-commerce dash now to introduce today's special guest expert. Chris Lynch is the author of The Truth About SEO, How to Survive Online in a World of Robots, Demons, Influencers and Spiders. He's also the CTO, that's the Chief Technology Officer at Gravity, who are a website builder specialising in bespoke builds. And I've known Chris for about a decade now, um, so I know you're in for a treat as he has a huge amount of knowledge in this world of e-commerce. Hello, Chris, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Well, look, let's start off with a, with a big question at the beginning. Um, how did you get started in e-commerce? I got started literally at the, the deep end of the deep end. Um, so I, I left the NHS for the, the joys of the private sector and sort of immediately found myself in this project um, to do what today we would call an omni-channel multi-currency sales platform. Um, but basically this involved three different websites, a touchstone telephone system, telesales, um, integration with um, a back office warehouse and an ERP system, and all four um, a real-time television shopping channel, which is a heavily regulated environment. So all really the things that if you saw them on a, you know, on a proposal, you would go, ooh, Oh dear, you know that's going to make it a bit more complicated. I had to deal with sort of sort of all at once um, to make it doubly hard. That was about fourteen or fifteen years ago. So a lot of the technology that we have today that would make that a little bit easier didn't exist. Um, you know, I mean, we even had developers who would say, you know, oh, well, you know, I can't work from home because I'm I'm on dial-up. If you remember what dial-up was, then uh, you know you get an idea. We, we had to test these websites at at fifty-six k. You know board rates to see if they would there's, still work. There's people listening who are thinking that that omnichannel multi-currency uh, platform sounds pretty complex to pull together right now. <laughs> and man, we don't know we're born these days. 
no, that's it. You know, I mean, pity me, you know, because I had to like chisel it out of stone. <laughs> By comparison to what we do now, um, but it was—I mean, it was a great grounding because we we completed that project and it worked. And you know, we sort of thought, well, actually, you know, this is this is really interesting. You know, this taking what you would call today, you know, digital transformation, you know, taking businesses, you know, into an online environment and allowing them to transact there and handle returns there and handle their stock there and do all this stuff. And yeah, it was the start of a. I don't know if I say a, a love affair. That's that's awfully strong, but it was definitely sort of a you know a fascination with what was possible um, online and, and what could be done. So yes, here I here I am, sort of many 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 years later, um, with a book that I, I suppose is the, the culmination of fifteen years of this industry beating me up. Well, that that, that does lead us nicely into the book because I think quite a few people listening will be going, well, if you're a CTO technology officer and you're about building websites why have you written a book on seo i I can get this is i've got a one word answer to this and the one word is frustration um that's a frustration i mean when i started doing this stuff there was there was loads of uncharted territory um and today bizarrely there still is you know always with technology you know i was in the health service for eight years before i started this so I've, i've been in technology my entire sort of professional life and it 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 goes through cycles you know we have thick devices thin devices you know so we started out everything was client server when i you know, when i trained you know when i was in university and then you know really good pcs came along and we started to install software locally and then we went oh no that's not very good we'll start to install and we'll go back to using the server we've got the internet and then phones came along and suddenly we have all these thick apps you have to install and now those are going by the by and progressive web apps are taking over and you know, the IT industry is brilliant at taking the same basic idea, putting a new badge on it and selling it again. And we've been doing this you know, forever. You know, we stopped calling them servers or computers in another room, called them the cloud. Everybody bought them again. It was marvelous. Um, but particularly with, with SEO and digital marketing, because it, it's, it's an intersection of kind of mathematics and stats, which I really love, and creative stuff, which I also really love. I find it really fascinating. But also, there is a huge amount of mysticism, I think, around it sometimes. Um, and that's how I pick sort of the strap line, you know, for for the book, you know, that we we give everything a cool name. You know, we don't have a piece of software that looks at your website. We have robots we don't have automated processes we have demons we have we don't say oh, it's word of mouth we call them influencers you know we have spiders and we love you know we love terminology and we love cool or what we think is cool sounding terminology um in iot and in digital marketing but it means that when i'm dealing with you know, mds and business owners for the, for the first time and i'm i'm talking to them about their businesses and the, the challenges they have Lack of understanding, I think, is the you know, I feel is the number one cause of problems, and for people feeling that this is an impenetrable world for them. And I, you know, I quite often find myself saying things like, "I did not come here from Hogwarts. This is something you can learn. This is something I can I can teach you. This is something you can learn how to control in house. We aren't wizards. It's not magic." It's just something that you you don't know yet, and it it really started to to niggle with me um, about a year and a half ago that you know people just weren't empowered to ask the right questions, to do the right things, and 
if I'm honest, in my like darker moments, I think there are some agencies and experts and self-proclaimed gurus out there who quite like it that way. They, they quite like it. I wouldn't say that writing a book called The Truth About SEO was maybe the most popular man, with, you know, certainly within Cardiff. Definitely not, you know, I haven't had people going, oh, well done. That's great. You told people how to do it. Well, thanks for that. Um, th- that has not arrived. You know, th- those haven't arrived. The, the bunches of flowers have not yet, not yet turned up. Um, but I just wanted to write an SEO book that wasn't for other SEO people and wasn't for other technical people, but that was just an unbiased kind of plain speaking explanation of, of what to do and how to do it. And so being a CTO sort of did put me in a good seat for that because my a big part of my job is taking something very technical and very terminology laden and very obtuse and turning it into something that a business can actually understand. So in terms of the book, it's about a lot more than SEO. But um, as an SEO tip, you know, SEO is the word that people search for a lot on Google. So that's why I call it So like it many of us, and I'm sure many of the listeners um, feel frustrated about trying to work out exactly what they're supposed to do in order to make the site search engine friendly. And and obviously, as you mentioned there, it's it's very hard these days to take the different marketing methods and the different conversion rate optimization techniques and define them as that one's SEO, that one's UX, that one's email. It's quite hard to, to split them all up because there's a lot of kind of blurring of the edges, especially when it gets to kind of like PR, influencers, content marketing, social media, that whole kind of like brand awareness piece. They all seem to blur into each other. So I guess maybe you've, you've partly answered this already, but do you think that SEO can be seen as a standalone discipline or do you think it has to play well with all those other um, skill sets? I, I think it has to play play well with all the others. I, I think you, you you put a name on this on this thing overall, and if it's if you're calling it SEO, that's fine. But in that in that big box is UX and SEM and you know, digital marketing is, is email marketing is CPC is it, it, all this stuff. The reason one of the other reasons sort of around SEO, I, I can remember a little while ago, sat with him and said, "Oh, we don't need SEO." As that what? <laughs> so I couldn't quite understand why someone come up with this phrase. And it was because, you know, they, they bought into this idea of, oh, oh, SEO's dead. And all we're doing now is, you know, we're just doing UX now. We're doing UX. And so, okay, well, why are you doing it? And they said, well, what do you mean? So what, what outcome are you trying to get? And this is something I sort of talk about a lot of the start of the book is to say what SEO is technically, what the definition of it is, or the definition. We, we invent new words in IT all the time, and that's my new one for today, definition. It's, you know, I talk about, right, okay, so if this is SEO, what's SEM? What's UX? What's this? And what I try to bring it back to is, fundamentally, you need to have a set of skills and a set of processes in place that get more people onto your website and get those people to do something that you want them to do. And really, you can call it anything you like, as long as it's working. Um, but if you look at the sort of the narrow definitions of all these things, no, I think you need to have you know, everything, you know, as much as possible in the toolbox. And that's why, you know, as, as the book goes on, it, it diverts off into tangents around scalability of servers, you know, elastic hosting gets a sort of a half chapter to talk about that and how that should really be dealt with and sort of the UX tips. Um, a lot of UX tips from a non-designer, because I, I approach design very much as a as a statistical 
process as opposed to a sort of visual or creative one and say, well, look, you know, it might look lovely that you've moved the basket to the bottom right, but statistically I can tell you that 99.9% of people expected it to be top right, and so you'd best put it back, you know. Don't put your forks in the microwave, you know, put them in the fork drawer because that's where so Nana's I suppose the, the good thing about SEO no longer being a standalone discipline is that actually anyone can do it which I, I get from what you're saying is kind of one of the angles of, of your book is that let's demystify this so that the the small business owner, the, the marketer, everyone can quite quickly get a handle on SEO and how you get people who want to buy to your website in order to make sure that they're, that they're able to approach it and able to, to action a series of things which will actually help. Yes, that's it. I mean, we we launched the book um, back in November at a quite a big trade show in Cardiff, and people would come up and they say, oh, "What's the book about?" And we we would explain it to them. And some of the things that people shared with me, honestly, I was quite emotional by the end of it. I felt quite exhausted by it, really, having to sort of say to lots of the people, "Oh gosh, that's not right." I sort of, "Oh gosh, no, you shouldn't do that." And I can remember one lady in particular, and I said, "Oh, you know." explained to what the book was about and sort of gave a little pictures. You don't know our website's absolutely fine. I said, okay. I said, well, that, that's great. I said, you're almost the first one to say that today. I said, but why not you know, have one anyway? Because you can always tune things up. And she said, no, no, no. I get an email every month from my, from my website company that tells me everything's fine. And I sort of jokingly said, what is that literally what it says? And she said, yes, I'll show it to you. And so she pops her mobile phone out she, into, into a mail. And she says, look, look, look. And she showed me this email. And I had a look and I thought, crikey, I know this agency. This is a bit embarrassing. And I sort of had a look. I went, okay. So let's have a look. And it did, did say, sort of, dear, whatever, um, everything is fine with your website, full stop, new paragraph. Please find invoice attached, best wishes. That was it. That was the entirety. I said, well, but how, you know, is your traffic going up or down? How are you doing conversion? Oh, I, oh, I haven't got a clue. I haven't got a clue about any of that. I said, do you not think you should? And she's like, hmm. Well, yeah, now you say it like that. And it really was, you know, it was like the uh, it was like the level 10 Dungeons and Dragons level of mysticism these guys had managed to create, that they had boiled everything down that they should be doing into just, everything's fine. Please pay me. I, I was flabbergasted. I'm quite envious. <laughs> I know, I know. I thought, crikey, you know, that's nice work if you can get it. Where was just, that client when I was running my marketing agency? I didn't get them. Well, I got no. all the ones who wanted answers. <laughs> Chloe, you and I can both <laughs> Well, yeah, that was the uh, the caveat to it, definitely. But yes, you know, and I just say, well, look, you should try and ask them these questions. Um, and I've been back and forth that lady quite a few times since I emailed them different bits and pieces. And uh, yeah, to say that, that your website was fine, um, I have to say, well, stretching the dictionary definition of fine so taught you could have played a high E on it. it really I'm sure there's some people out there listening who have not invested any effort in um, in SEO, who've not taken a good look at their website and seen how well it's performing of late, who have been doing the same thing and getting similar results without you know trying anything new recently. People like the lady um, you just mentioned. For them, where do they where do they start? taking ownership and taking control of this side of their e-commerce business? Well, the, the way that I like to break all of it down, I'm going to keep calling it SEO, even though it's many different things, which is, which is into an ABC structure, which is architecture. It's architecture, backlinks and content, although you, you have to do content before you can really do backlinks. But 
know, it doesn't scan as well if I do it as ACV. So architecturally, you know, I think anyone who hasn't just given their website a bit of an MOT, you know, checked how it looks across mobile devices, checked how fast it's running. You know, there are so many free tools out there that will check your metadata is coming out as it should be. You know, and it's a it's a five or ten minute job to do this. And if there's something that's not quite right, fix it or go back to your provider and say, hey, look, you know, we found this. Can this, you know, can this be improved? And I've sort of tried to list as, as many of the ones that I think are are key. Um, you know, for search engine optimization in the in the book for people to have a look through and say, okay, means I can check. Um, you know, then to take a really critical look at your content. You know, is it is it saying what you want to say? Is it doing the right stuff? Are you you can be architecturally perfect and then have you know absolutely terrible content that's obtuse and unclear and doesn't take the customer or doesn't take the visitor to being the customer. You know, it doesn't take them where you want them to be. Doesn't ask them the right things, and then. To look at backlinks, I mean, how is your content getting out there? Are you sharing it? Is someone else sharing it? How is it moving? You know, it's sort of like, you know, I've, I've written many a good novel that lives in a drawer, you know, and, until you get it out there um, and show it to people and get them looking at it, it's, it's not going to have any life at all, really. Um, and so that sounds like a really big piece of stuff, but you can, you know, you can get yourself a to-do list down to about two sides of A4 and just, just tick it, your way It is it. one of those things which... Certainly the the Google side of it and getting the traffic from Google pays off if you do things consistently over a period of time, not if you do a shed load of work tomorrow. So gradual improvements are good, which is brilliant because it means you can go, right, I'm going to do every Wednesday morning, I'm going to spend an hour working on the SEO. And that's the thing. I, mean, I, I stress this people all the time. SEO projects don't finish because website projects don't finish because it's like saying, oh, I've done everything I can do with sales for my business. Really? Well, that's it. You know, I've done everything I can in terms of my, my marketing. You can't, you can't sort of say, oh, well, we're going to do a solid month on SEO and then we'll be done for good. It, it, it's not like that. But although it should be, we should probably point out that fixing the architecture, that can be a month long project just to get it sorted. That, and that's very much worth doing in a shorter time span. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But what you, what you do then have to do is, is keep an eye out for when new architectural things come along that weren't important before and are important now. So, you know, I'm, I'm old enough and, and grey enough to remember that the mobile apocalypse when people said, oh, if you're not mobile ready, you'll get de-indexed. And everybody ran around like maniacs, making sure that websites were, were mobile responsive. Speed is the one that they're, they're very keen on at the moment. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where your architecture could be right today, but that doesn't mean it will be right in, in six months. But the, the good thing about architectural changes in particular although this kind of goes for everything within what we're talking about, is that what's good for Google is also good for the customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's the best way to look at it, actually. I'm, I'm not a great believer in doing things just for, just for Google um, because it's, it's kind of a backwards way of looking at, at the world, I think. So if you, if you wait for Google to say, your website should be fast, and then you go, oh, right, okay, yeah, got it. Thank you, Captain. I'll get right on with that. And then you make it fast. Why didn't you make it fast before? Because it being fast would obviously have been better for the customer. Why would a slow website have ever been okay? And I think we get we get stuck sometimes in this rhythm of looking on, you know, search engine land or, you know, looking on, on the Mars journal and going, oh, there's a new rule. I must comply with this rule. Instead of trying to be on the front foot with it and saying, do you know what? What would make my website a little bit better today? You know, do you find it slow when you're using it? If you do, don't wait for this, you know, 
external body to tell you, oh, you need to make it fast. Get on with it and, and do it anyway. So you're absolutely right. And I 100% agree. What's good for Google is good for the customer. Um, but you can flip that and also say what's good for the customer is or will be good for Google because ultimately, what are they trying to do? They're working on their search index all the time, trying to give the best possible answer because that, that's how it makes money. If I go onto Google enough times and get answers that aren't very good, I may start to look somewhere else. And as soon as I do, my, my ad revenue is gone and the data stream where they get to know literally everything about me pretty much is gone. So the things, I, I always think, the things that Google put out there and say, oh, this is good, or you should do this, are nearly always, you know, you can always, always equate them to, well, yes, that would make a website better for a customer. So if you want to kind of be a bit ahead of that curve, look at your website as a customer and say, well, what would make this better and easier? And I believe that the vast majority of the time, those changes will also turn out to be good for your digital marketing as a whole. Okay. Now, Chris, there is something we mentioned, which we cannot only mention in passing, and it's the B of your ABC. It's the backlinks. Because I think often when people are saying that SEO is dead, it's they're thinking about backlinks and link building. And it's certainly, I, th- I think, the, the piece which people should be most nervous about getting their hands into because it's the one where you can foul things up quite quickly by listening to the wrong person. Um, so do you want to give some advice on successful backlink link building? The, the kind of the thing that Google would, would say, or they, they do say, and there's a direct quote somewhere, somewhere in the book about this, is that basically you shouldn't do backlinking at all. You should let it magically happen or organically. And that you know, if your content is good, people will link to it. This is clearly not actually advice that um, I think human beings should should follow um, because there's also all the contrary advice out there about, oh, don't have too many links off your site. You're giving away my most hated phrase, link juice. God, how I hate that phrase. How I hate it with an absolute passion. I always feel like, you know, oh, you've given away link juice, like the, it's leaking out of the bottom of my laptop or something. But you know, people are quite finickety and, and pernickety about what they will and won't link to. Um, so I think actually, when it when it comes to backlinking, there's nothing wrong with just asking people for a backlink. You know, there's nothing wrong with just saying, "Look, you know, hey guys, do you want to come and you know put something on the website? Can we put something on about you?" Google don't like the whole reciprocal linking thing. That that is definitely a bad one. I mean, my three kind of probably golden rules are: the easier the backlink is to get the less worthwhile it probably is. So it, it's, you know, don't be discouraged if it's, if it's tough to get your website, you know, if it's tough to get a piece of PR onto a, onto a news site with a link in your website, that's because it's got value and you should, you should press on and do it. Um, never, ever buy backlinks. That's just a disaster waiting to happen. You know, and, and also these kind of link swap, link shares, they're, they're still out there, sadly. I, I thought they'd gone the way of the dodo, but when I was researching the book, I had a look around and there's still an awful lot of, these networks where you can, I don't know, they're like the digital marketing equivalent of going to a dinner party and finding you've got to put your car keys in a bowl, I suppose. You know, where you just end up saying, oh, well, I'll, I'll link to you if, if you link to me. And it all, it all feels a bit back of the bike sheds. You know, I don't, I don't like that particularly much. But you, you need to look for your, your community. You know, there's a community for, for everything, really, in, in the world. And I think if you've got content that's of value, and that's the key, and that's why 
it can't be ABC, it has to be ACB. If you've got content that's of value to that community, you need to make sure you've surfaced it, you've shown it to them and said, you know, I've written, you know, I've written a book about this, or you know, I've written a blog post about this, and it and it's not, you know, just another spin on a, on a well-worn topic. It's something useful for them. That that's the way to get that community in, engaged in there. Because I, I sort of fold social media underneath backlinking as well. And they are they are backlinks, but they they sort of have a half-life. You know, they, they decay away quicker than than a website one website one is but I, I think a lot of people are they are nervous about it because of all the all the horror stories that are out there um but ultimately if you've identified your community correctly so if you sell fitness products go and go and find the bloggers go and find the people who who write about that stuff and talk to them um, because they are they are humans at the end of the day um but it just takes time you know it takes emails back and forth it takes facebook messages it takes you know linkedin approaches to, to find people who are interested in what you do and who, who will want to share it. So yes, it's time consuming. But again, like you said about, you know, when every Wednesday morning, I'm going to do some SEO, you know, first part of every day, go out, reach out to those communities and engage with them. You know, one of the quickest ways I think to build up your sort of link building karma, I think is, is to link to other people and share what they've put out there and engage with them and show that you are interested um, and knowledgeable. In, in that community, I think is a really good way to, to do it. And you might learn some stuff and you might make some friends. And so that's cool too. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler. With Sempro Online from Pitney Bowes, it's just click, send and save for as low as $4.99 a month. Send envelopes, flats and packages right from your desk. And for being an e-commerce master plan listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free £10 scale to ensure that you never overpay. Save time and money on mailing and shipping with SEMPRO Online. Starting at $4.99 per month, you can also qualify for special USPS rates for letters and priority mail shipping, calculate exact postage online and do it all by printing from your PC. Go to pb.com forward slash masterplan to access this special offer for a free 30-day trial plus a free £10 scale to get you started. That's pb.com slash masterplan. Experience shipping made simple with a free trial of SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Cashflow slowing your growth? Exchange rate fees driving you mad? You need seller's funding. We've helped hundreds of retailers solve these problems with our easy way to access working capital and local currency collection accounts. We're the number one direct lending platform of 2018 in the US. We also serve the UK and other markets coming soon. We provide funding from as little as $5,000 to as much as half a million dollars. And our customers have given us a five-star score on Trustpilot. Let us help you navigate through these challenges with greater clarity and flexibility. Visit us at www.sellersfunding.com forward slash e-commerce dash masterplan. It's time for the top tips round. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level. So Chris, are you ready for the top tips? Yes, I am ready for the top tips. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I am going to recommend a book called The Cuckoo's Egg by Cliff Stoll. It's a re- it's quite an old book. I read it when I was in university. Um, and it's about a computer science chap in Berkeley University who actually he uncovers a, um, a spy ring 
being run by the KGB. Now, you might wonder why this is relevant, um, but partly because I reread it recently and I could not believe how much of the stuff that, that Cliff Stoll talks about in terms of how security wasn't as it should be, we are still doing now. You know, we're still talking about strong passwords. You know, this was written in 1975. We're still, you know, there was there was a news report out recently about you know the most common passwords, and people are still using one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, so it's it's actually really interesting to read that and think, here's some basic stuff that I could tighten up on my my personal cybersecurity and also my business. But it's it's also just a really good read. And if you are feeling jaded about IT or the web, the Cliff's enthusiasm for it just comes through in the book. And it, it does sort of maybe take you back a little bit to a to a simpler time when computing was exciting and magical in the truest sense of the word. And these weren't just you know marketing phrases that we used. You know, this stuff was really exciting. So that that would actually be my recommendation. You'll blaze through it on a, on a Friday afternoon. It's not a thick book, um, but you'll learn some stuff and it's a, a great read as well. It is a really good read. Nice. I like it. I like a curveball tip. Okay. The traffic top tip, which marketing method do either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I, yes. Okay. So uh, there's something that I'm, I like to talk about a lot. Um, I don't actually cover this much in the, in the book. So it's probably for the next one, but it's, it's about diversification of traffic and then retaining and, and containing that traffic. So sort of, it's a tip in two parts, but it's, the first bit is you know, don't rely on a single source of traffic. Um, you know, at any time, they can take it away from you, you know, and you should never let them own the customer either. So, I mean, there was a terrifying or worrying you know, piece of news, at least, in that came out yesterday that Google have been uh, surveying users to see if they would be prepared to pay for Google My Business. And it, it, it's the classic Google trick. It's a, here's a free, here's a free way of, of getting traffic to your website and leads for your business. Fill in all your data here and we'll, we'll do this for you. And everybody does it. And we start to get links and we think this is marvelous. And then they say, oh, you're going to have to pay for that now. And if that goes ahead, people who don't pay will presumably disappear or at least you know, be pushed be pushed into the shadows. It's exactly what happened with Google Shopping. Um, you know, Google Shopping used to be an environment where you could just upload a feed of products. And so if you went there as a consumer, you were seeing the maximum number of products possible and all the best pricing. Now it's become part of AdWords. And so actually all you're seeing are the offers from the people who are prepared to pay to put them there. But it's it's not you know, to the average consumer. I don't think that's as clear um, as it should be. So you should never allow one platform um, to be your, your main source. You need to diversify it across. So you need to be looking at how much of my traffic is coming in from Google, how much am I getting from Bing, because that serves very much a different demographic. Search engines like DuckDuckGo now are starting to nibble away at that. And you can argue, say, oh, but you know, Google's still got more than ninety percent. But you know, do you know what? Ten percent of the world is big, so I don't, I don't really ignore those people. I don't ignore. If you went into a room and said hello to everyone except for one guy, like the one in ten, you just just blanked him completely. You know, that'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it? So. Just because 90% of stuff comes from one place, um, you can't guarantee that it's, it's going to be there forever. And Chris, the, the retain them side of the tip? So the retaining side, yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about this at the moment because it's something that we're seeing more and more of, more and more um, platforms that were content platforms. So Facebook, Instagram, for example, are introducing e-commerce features where they own the entirety of the transaction. So this is rolling out on Instagram at the moment. And there's lots of digital marketers getting very excited about saying, oh, great, we can sell on Instagram, isn't it, isn't it easy? 
But when you watch the video of how it works, everything happens inside the Instagram platform. So that customer relationship is, is entirely owned by them. And if you think about this one in particular, it's a good example. Think about what Facebook are, some of the things they're super good at. They're super good at building sort of what, what you would call a psychograph of people. Yeah, what they like, what they don't like. They've wanted shopping data forever. They tried to do a type with Amazon in the dim and distant past, and that fell on its face. So getting you to buy through Instagram or Facebook is a, is a major thing for them. But they're also pretty good at image recognition. So I, I wear a lot of waistcoats as a more rotund gentleman. They're quite good for cinching it all in. So if I buy a blue waistcoat on Instagram, there's no guarantee the next one I see will be from the same provider, is there? They can just say, well, look, we can show you another product that looks kind of the same from someone else who's prepared to pay more or give us a better margin on it. So if you're the seller of the blue waistcoats, you're, you're in a pretty dicey position because you don't own the customer. So you have to look at all these platforms and see you need to be looking for the routes where you can bring the customer to you and you can retain them and contain them. You're almost fighting fire with fire. You know, if I can get you onto my website, I would sell to you from my website, not from a platform, and I want to resell to you from my website. Um, but I mean, even this is even coming up now with, with Shopify, because they, they've fallen out with MailChimp, and there's, you know, there's questions around you know, the ownership of, of data there within the platform. So it, it's something that I'm yeah, very passionate about, making sure that when you're looking at your traffic multiplied by conversion rate, multiplied by average basket value, that, that's your business. Look at where all that traffic comes from and make sure you're not overly reliant on one source and that you are, you know, you are making sure that that customer is your customer, not Amazon's customer or, or Facebook's customer or Instagram's customer. Okay, so the next top tip is the tool top tip. Maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Okay, um, well, actually, yeah, having having just kind of raged against the, the power of, of Google and Behemoths, we actually moved to G Suite recently, the Google Suite, and it is marvellous, I have to say, for online collaboration. Working on specifications remotely where you can be changing a spreadsheet or changing a document in real time with the customer is, is an absolute joy. Um, but something we do a lot of that's on a smaller scale is we do use Slack a lot. Um, and even if you've got a small team and you, you don't see the value in sort of instant messaging, one of the things that you can do either with the Slack API or if you know about if this, then that, it's very easy to connect systems together with Slack and use it as a way of surfacing kind of alerts and dashboard type stuff that you otherwise necessarily you wouldn't necessarily look at otherwise very nice okay the growth top tip if you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1000 what would be your number one tip for them it's a bit of a weird one this because it's only half well i can only give half an answer because i've only got half a question so what we don't know is what the problem is you want you've got a hundred sales and you want to get and you want to get to a thousand but what you should do the very first thing you should do is have a look and say well okay basically sales comes down to traffic times by conversion rate times by average basket value that's that's where it's coming from now you might have a squillion users on your website but a really really terrible conversion rate you might have really low traffic and a really high conversion rate you might have good traffic and good conversion rate but it's just a pretty pants margin you know you're not you're not getting the add-on sales you're not getting the basket value up so the first thing you need to do is look at all three of those and go, right, okay, which one's got the most potential for improvement? What are the levers that I can pull that will affect it? So if you want traffic, yeah, you advertise. You can, you can go and get it. If it's conversion rate, 
bit more complicated, but you know, look at value of product, look at how the website works. If it's average basket value, the classic, you know, are you getting the add on sale? Are you selling the batteries as well as the toy type thing? Um, but when you do that, that process should be data driven. So look at that data, pick one thing to change, change it, give it a bit of time, see what the impact is. And that gives you the opportunity if it's not benefited you to roll back and try something else. If it has benefited you, then to make the next change. What I do see an awful lot of is people put out there, you know, 10 things that you should do today and people do all 10. And what you never really truly know then is which one or 10 of those work. You don't know if you wasted your time on half of them. Um, so my, my biggest thing would be before you, before you move a single chess piece on the board, have a proper look at the data, make sure you understand how that sales number is actually being created, work back from there, and then one change at a time, you'll, you'll, get, your way, you'll get your way through it. It's one of my favorite tests is the, the Jurassic Park test. And so it's, it's, it's from the brilliant bit in Jurassic Park where Jeff Goldblum's character said, oh, you, you got so, something like, you got so excited about whether or not you could, you didn't think about whether or not you should. And I, I do see that an awful lot um, in people who you know, talk to me about e-commerce problems they're having, and they've made a whole bunch of changes because they could, and they had no real plan around which ones they thought they should have done or which ones they were expecting to give the most benefit. So data first, measure it first before you do anything at all is actually my top 10 tip. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. Those were great. Now, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your book, please? Oh, so the book's on Amazon at the moment. If you go onto Amazon and search for The Truth About SEO, um, you'll find it. It's available as a Kindle ebook. It's also on Kindle Unlimited. So if you're on that, you can actually read it for nothing. Um, if you're a bit old school like me and you want it printed, there is a paperback version that you can get on there as well. Um, if you want to ask me any questions about it, um, we're on Twitter, which is Gravity Tech, all as one word. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Or you can even come to the website, I suppose, which is www.gravity.co.uk. Gravity has got a funny spelling. It's G-R-A-V-I-T hyphen E. That's awesome, Mike. One, one final top tip. You don't ever pick a brand name you have to constantly spell when you're giving people <laughs> the bane of my existence for the last 14 years. Yep. I've been there, yeah. done that. Uh, yay. Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, for being so generous, sharing your experience with us. We greatly appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. See, I told you, Chris has a wealth of knowledge around e-commerce, how to approach it, how to improve it. And the book is, I think, a, a really great guide to the fundamentals of getting your SEO right. And quite a bit in there about other marketing methods too. I hope you found that useful. Um, if you want the notes from today's show, including the top tips, even links and all the rest of it, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. And if you're listening via a podcast app like iTunes or something else or Shopify or something, please do give us some feedback via their reviews system, because not only will that let me know what you think, it will also help other people to find the podcast too. Have a great week and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.